Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 17 called True Hope. You know, sometimes we do things in good fun with friends and and we know what the boundaries are. But have you ever noticed you could be going back and forth even with a buddy and cross that line and the buddy goes, oh, ow, ooh, this belongs to you. (laughs) And you say, no, it's yours. Well, that's how Job felt. The mockers were there. And there's a parallel between Job and the Messiah. Job had to watch his antagonists who would just stare at him, and Jesus was affixed to a cross, and he had to just stand there, lay there, and take it. Unless he supernaturally delivered himself, which he couldn't do because he was paying for our salvation, he just had to take it. Can you imagine being the God of the universe? You have all the power within you to end it in a microsecond, but you gotta take it and you're doing it for the ones that are mocking you. And incredibly, from the cross, Jesus says, Father, not destroy them, but Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And I mentioned in a recent sermon, sometimes I have to say, Father, forgive me, I knew exactly what I was doing, and I did it anyway. Lay down now a pledge for me with thyself, verse three, Who is there that will be my guarantor? If you have a NIV, it reads quite differently. It says, give me, O God, the pledge you demand. Who else will put up security for me? Job knows his friends aren't going to do it. And though verse three is difficult, I think um, to translate, I think the NIV makes it sound like Job is saying God is demanding a pledge from him, but I think it's the opposite, like the New American Standard and others. Job is appealing to God to put up security or a pledge for him. When you put up security or a pledge for a person, you ever co-sign for a loan, put up earnest money in a business deal, what you are saying is that you are taking responsibility that the deal goes well or the person pays. And Job is looking for some sense of security right now. He's saying, I need a pledge, I need some help. And even though Job wrongly has concluded that God is the one doing everything to him, he also asks God for a pledge. He also asked God to be his security. And in the last chapter, we saw, we saw that he said, my advocate is on high. Job still has faith. And he's saying, would you be my surety? Would you be my advocate? Would you guarantee my security? Psalm 119, verse 121 and 122 says, I've done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good, or give your servant a pledge for good, ESV. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. That's Psalm 119, 121, and 122. Lord, would you give me, would you interpose this with an oath? Now, many of you are familiar with the book of Hebrews, and in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is addressing a group of early Jewish Christians, or at least professors to the Christian faith, who were going through a very difficult time, having property seized, being kicked out of the synagogue, 
uh, maybe losing family relationships. It may be that there were family members that said, if you trust the Messiah, you are no longer my brother, no longer my sister, you're no longer my son. It was that radical. You're kicked out of the synagogue. We won't do business anymore. Maybe even seizure of property. It was very ugly. And in that particular section, I'd like to turn there because I think you're going to find some hopeful stuff. It's all the way in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, where the writer talks about the hope that we have is what? Do you remember Bible students? It's the anchor of our souls. The hope we have is the anchor of our souls. In uh, a recent album by a, a Christian singer called Soul Anchor, he says the first century symbol, as you, tur- as you turn to Hebrews 6, wasn't a cross for Christianity, it was an anchor. If I'm a first century Christian, I'm hiding in the catacombs and three of my best friends have just been thrown to the lions or burned at the stake or crucified or set ablaze as torches of, one of uh, Emperor Nero's and his garden parties, The symbol that most encouraged my faith was an anchor. When I see it, I'm reminded that Jesus is my anchor. Christian use of the anchor echoed in Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Epitaphs on believers' tombs dating as far back as the end of the first century frequently displayed anchors alongside messages of hope. These expressions were found all over Christian graveyards. In fact, archaeologists found about 70 examples of these kinds of messages in one cemetery alone, and they were often attached to the anchor. I want you to see in Hebrews 6.17 the idea of a pledge and the anchor and hope when he says, Hebrews 6.17, in the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed it with an oath. Because God, NIV, wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. You know that God can't swear by anyone higher than himself, so he swore by himself. And he did this for Abraham in terms of his future promises and his lineage, and he does it for us. In the same way as he did for Abraham, he interposes the promise of the gospel and our secure future with an oath. And God has given us a pledge, and the pledge is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. He's already given us the guarantee. God is our guarantor, if you will. He's already signed the paper, signed in the blood of the Lamb. This one belongs to me, and they will make it into my heavenly kingdom. Amen? This is why I have hope. The world, my life, often feels like a storm. Uh, This world is crazy. I can feel like I get blown around, and the moment I think I'm stable, then something else can come out of left field. All of a sudden, a gust of wind that comes from an unexpected source. Anybody relating to what I'm saying right now? Right? Just when I thought I hit calm waters, oh no. Here we go. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. 1 Timothy 1.1 says Jesus Christ is our hope. Titus 2.13 says we are looking for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy 6.17 it says to the rich not to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches but on God 
who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. And Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Amen? And then 1 Peter 1.13 says, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That hope, back to Job, is the anchor of my soul. If you are being blown around right now, if life is hard, and it can be, um, my prayer is that you'll get that image of the anchor in your heart and your soul and your mind. Jesus Christ is our anchor. Now, what does an anchor do? An anchor will go down into the sea or into the lake, and it will hold the the vessel steady in the storm. That's what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't always remove the storm. He just promises to be an anchor in the storm. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Lord, it's blowing my hair back. I worked hard on my hairdo. What's going on here? Remember the apostles? Uh, they, roar, they rode all night, and the wind was opposite them, and Jesus came and the, was the fourth watch of the night, walking on the sea. Why did he wait till the fourth watch? He waited till they were exhausted. He waited till their hope was razor thin, and then he came to them walking on the sea. You see, this is what God often does, and I don't know why he waits so long. <laughs> I do wish he would come earlier. Usually I'm tapping my watch if I wore a watch. Lord! <laughs> and people like to say he's never late. He's always right on time. I think it depends on your perspective. Sometimes he feels late, <laughs> but he is good, and he loves us. For thou hast kept their heart, back in Job 17, verse 4, their heart, my friend's heart, I think he's talking about now, from understanding Therefore, thou, thou will not exalt them. If you have a New Living Translation, it says, Job 17, for it, therefore, you will not let them triumph, or New Living, do not let them triumph. It seems that my friends don't understand. They keep coming up with weak, lame arguments. You're the only one who can be my surety. You're the only one who can be my pledge. You're the only one who knows the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I must look to you because it's obvious that they don't understand. In fact, it seems that you've kept them from understanding. Do you remember when Jesus was on the earth and he spoke to the people in parables and the question came up, why? Why do you speak to the people in parables? And Jesus said, because in the case of these folks, the Isaiah prophecy is fulfilled. You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and return, and I should heal them. But then Jesus says to the apostles, but blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Sometimes we're trying to communicate truth to someone we love, and it feels like there's a, a big shield up there, and we're just, there's a failure to communicate. And sometimes there's a spiritual block. The, the God of this age has blinded the eyes of the unbelieving so that they don't see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a mystery in how all that works. But that's how Job felt. He says, no matter what I tell these guys about my innocence, they won't believe me. He who informs against his friends, this is a warning to Job's friends, 
he who denounces his friend for a share of the spoil. It might hint that the motivation of these guys was in question. I don't know. The eyes of his children also shall languish or fail. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. He who informs against his friends, this is a warning to Job's friends, he who denounces his friend for a share of the spoil, it might hint that the motivation of these guys was in question, I don't know. The eyes of his children also shall languish or fail. Now, the Bible teaches that the sins of the parents, the children are, are, don't pay for them in the sense of ultimate justice, but the children do reap what parents sow or often do, amen? So, for example, if you had a parent who was an alcoholic, it doesn't mean you're going to become an alcoholic, but it does mean that you've had to deal with some of the consequences of those choices, amen? And sometimes you learn some of that behavior. Sometimes there is a connection in the family history. Job is warning them. He's using a proverb of the day and questioning their motives. What is their motive? Why do you think the friends told Job everything that they did? I don't know for sure, but I just had something to share with you guys. When you are in an argument with someone and you begin to wonder as you hear a person speak whether or not you're on track, just be careful that your motive is not having to be right. And I've just put that out there for whoever that resonates with. Make sure that your motive doesn't always end up that you have to be right even when you're digging a bigger hole for yourself. And do you know why we do that? We do that because of one word. It's called pride. We just can't take being wrong or admitting that we're wrong. If Job's friends would have just said, you know what, Job, maybe we do have it wrong. We've known you for a long time. You're a wise man. We don't think you're a liar. So let's seek the Lord. Let's pray. Maybe we're wrong. That's in a marital disagreement with some intense fellowship going on between husband and wife? That might be a good thing to remember. I don't have to be right, but I want to be right. (laughs) But you don't have to be right. You might pause and say, you know what, honey? We've been married a long time. I love you. I know you. 
why don't we just both pray? Why don't we take a moment and reconvene at the kitchen table at whatever time <laughs> works for you? See, there was a stubbornness there. What was their motive? Was it just about being right? Job turns to God, he says, but he, God has made me a byword of the people. Would you notice this? Six, I am one at whom men spit. Not only were people assembling around Job and slapping him in the face and mocking him, people were coming by the greatest man in the east and spitting at him and perhaps spitting in his face. And he may not have even had the strength to lift a hand to try to block his face. Remember, he, was, he painted a picture in the last chapter where it's like he, he wanted to just put his head in the sand. When you see the word byword there, it means I've become a joke. I'm a revulsion. I'm a reproach. People walk by me regularly, and I'm the guy that people make fun of and spit at. We were traveling uh, to Arizona to visit my youngest son or to get him checked into school. And we're going into a store and there was a man outside this store. We're in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the desert. It's so hot. And there was a homeless man and he was kneeling down almost like a catcher kneels down. And he was thin and uh, unkempt and he wouldn't even look up. And I watched, I watched my son buy a big jug of water and and put it before him because it was obvious to my son that he needed water. But I was looking at the man and I said something to my son as we drove away. I said, where do you think he goes? He's at a little like AMPM in the middle of nowhere. Where do you think he goes? It, it didn't even look like he wanted to have a conversation with somebody. But can you imagine how many people probably walk by that guy and go, Sometimes I wonder when we see people like that if the Lord might not say to us, when you did it for the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. How easily we pass people by. It says of the Messiah, Isaiah 56 and 7, in a prophecy, 700 years before he would die on the cross, I gave my back to those who strike me, my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting, for the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Isaiah 50, verses 6 and 7. Do you remember how I've been telling you that Job is a foreshadowing of the greater Job, Jesus, the ultimate innocent sufferer? Job got mocked, encircled by wicked people, slapped in the face, and spit at. And these are all foreshadowings of what the Messiah would go through. God in human flesh would be treated this way. In fact, Mark 6, uh, 14, 65 says, some began to spit at Jesus, to blindfold him and to beat him with their fists. And they said to him, prophesy! And the officers received him with slaps in the face, Mark 14, 65. In light of this, Job says, my eye has also grown dim because of grief. All my members are as a shadow Job might put it this way in modern vernacular, I'm a shadow of my former self. Grief, for those of you who are grieving, can bring a hard shadow over your life. Job's body was feeling it. His spirit was feeling it. 
We saw about his, uh, we read about his thinness in chapter 16. He seemed to be not able to eat and um, just not doing well. He says, my eye has grown dim. It's hard to see light. The upright shall be appalled at this, verses 8 through 10 kind of are a little difficult to translate, but let me take my best shot at it. And the innocent shall stir up himself against the godless. Nevertheless, nine, the righteous shall hold to his way. And he who has clean hands shall grow stronger and stronger. Let's look at verses eight and nine for a second. On the heels of what Job just shared about his life and what he was going through, his innocence is affirmed in chapter one. The godless are taunting Job, but Job is called upright and innocent by God in chapter one or blameless. And so I think what Job is saying is I'm gonna hold on to my integrity despite what people are saying about me and what people are doing to me. I think one of the more difficult things to do in life is to hold on to your integrity in the face of severe opposition. You've been listening to True Hope Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 17. If you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we would love to connect with our listeners. That means you. You can send email or you can send Pastor Michael and the team a letter. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. Are you ready? You can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, we often talk about as Christians, we're ambassadors of the gospel, the good news as though Christ were pleading through us for people to be saved and reconciled. But how about another thought? How about we become ambassadors of hope? And that could be to our non-Christian friends as well as to our Christian brethren. To be an ambassador of hope. What a great thought, isn't it? To bring light and hope. To send an encouraging word. Hey, the the world is filled enough with the bummer stuff, with the bad news, with the hopelessness. How about we become ambassadors of hope? And we do that by sharing the hope of Christ, an encouraging word. Hey, I'm thinking about you, praying for you, something like that. Maybe once a day, at least once a week, you could find a way to put feet to being an ambassador of hope. Well, hey, if you're uh, not plugged into a church right now, I know the last year has been hard for a lot of people and You know, I'm seeing people now uh, beginning to come back to church, and it's awesome. But I want to encourage you to be in church because there's nothing like fellowshipping with other believers and being arm in arm and singing together and taking in the Word of God and serving one another and loving each other and praying for one another, watching people get baptized and taking the Lord's Supper together. There's so much that we need to uh, experience as the body. You might say, well, what kind of church should I look for? Look for a Bible teaching church, preferably that teaches in expository fashion, approaches different books of the Bible, teaches verse by verse, chapter by chapter. 
I think that's the best approach. Um, listen to a couple sermons before you go, because you'll get a pretty good idea about where they're coming from. And I would just say, look for a church that's willing to speak the truth in love and go a little deeper than the surface stuff. And um, if you need help with that, reach out to us. Send us a message at walkintruth.com or call the number 844-48-TRUTH. God bless you. And I want to invite you to our church. Hey, if you don't have a church and you're anywhere near the Inland Empire, I'm a little biased, but I think you could come to Living Truth Christian Fellowship where I serve as senior pastor. It's a great church. We have great worship, just a great body of believers, great group of pastors and leaders. I could go on and on. We do a single 10 a.m. service Sunday mornings, all the church coming together. There's a spirit of revival happening at Living Truth. I'm so excited about it. 1009 Arsenal Way, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue in Corona. Now, if you can't drive here for whatever reason, you can uh, worship with us via our live stream on our YouTube channel. The easiest way to get to that is go to walkintruth.com and connect to the link right there to the YouTube channel walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you very soon. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us Monday on this station for the conclusion of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapter 17 called True Hope. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.